0: Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. Today I have, and I am honored to say this, I have my nephew, my chosen family, Max Smothers here with me. I'm going to get into in a minute how we met and what, what that was like, but before we get into all of that, um, my wonderful nephew, will you please introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm Max. Um, I am Tasha's nephew. um, And I'm just an artist and a student doing my thing, trying to learn life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And Max, if you would, for our listeners, um, will you kind of just kind of state your identities?
1: Yes. So I am a non-binary trans guy. Um, That is how I identify. Um, I go by he, they. And I am a queer person, um, I'm very open about that. And I am a queer person of color on top of that. And that is a big part of
0: who I am. Thank you so much. And uh, before we pushed record, we talked a little bit about Chosen Family, which has been probably the last six or more months, a really big theme in my life. Max, we met each other a few months ago, my first visit to Chicago as an adult, and meeting your mom, Marcy, for the first time, my chosen sister, (laughs) um, and one of my close friends. At the, kind of at the, maybe the middle of the visit to the end, we just knew we were just family, like that was it, really for the benefit of listeners, and maybe because I'm a Leo and I want to pat myself <laughs> on the back today. Um, what was it about us? Uh, and for those who are listening, it was myself, uh, Shay Sears Bearfield of The Shay Show, and my friend Andrea Miller of Her Story Speaks podcast. We all went to visit Marcy and family. So for you, what was that experience like for you? And how did, when it comes to like, safety and chosen family how did you know that we could be that
1: yeah so at first my mom first of all my mom doesn't bring anyone around this house she is an introvert she is an introvert a a very Leo like you're she's like I need me myself and I and nobody else and so when I heard that somebody was coming to, I was like okay I gotta meet these people and this was a difficult time for us because we had just I had just come out I had experienced the trauma of losing family over coming out. And so, but I was trusting my mom as black kids do. I was trusting my mom to bring people into our home. That would be safe and would be a safe place for me. And when I met you guys, I felt so welcomed into this relationship we have with my mom. And I felt a part of it. I felt, I felt like a an adult too because I I've just turned 22 so I felt like I was being allowed to express myself and yeah after we we all hung out we danced we taught my stepdad the electric slide. I was like this is it this is family this is what family should be and this is what family looks like
0: yes it I mean I'm telling you I felt honored to 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 be there and shout out to all the Leos because it is a, this is a season. Okay. First of (laughs) all. (laughs) Um, And I am deeply introverted. So I also identify with, with that. So if we do bring somebody around, you know, they got to be good people if, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I get that. Um, And it sounds like, you know, with it being a difficult time and you coming out losing a family losing that support all of that this it was really perfect timing for us to show up
1: it was it was and I'm a big believer in like fate I'm all about that like stars aligned all that stuff so I was like this
0: is this is what's supposed to be happening this is this is now right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know even as I, I hear you like you know, cause we ate together and, and kind of went around Chicago all together and did some other things, adult conversations and whatnot. I think I'm like the bad auntie of, of the group. <laughs> you definitely,
1: you definitely bring out, you bring out the fun. I'll say that, you're the fun. Yes, i bring you're out the, the fun. fun.
0: <laughs> I bring the fun. That's my job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll have to have a conversation with Marcy. Like she really trusts me. So that's, that's cool. So I also wanted to go back to, you know, talking about sexuality and gender identity. How old were you, Max, when you started to kind of get curious, kind of feeling like, ooh, something's different about me. Like what, when, what is your earliest memory of, of that?
1: My earliest memory, it's hard. I feel like for queer people, like there's a different story for everyone. But for me, the first time I really remember being like, there's something, there's something different about my sexuality was when I was like 12, seventh grade around there. And I was very much so like that intense, like friendship person. I was like, I like this girl. We're friends. And I kind of feel like that means we should like have a house together in the future and like live together and bake, but like, we'll never need to get married because we'll have each other. Cause we're friends. Like, we're mm-hmm. just really, I just want to be friends with you forever. And that was like my first like real, like, okay, girl mm-hmm. crush, like, obviously there's something here. And I did think I was bisexual in like middle school and high school because mm-hmm. in Texas, there's really no like lesbian community. Nobody was like, you can be gay. I, as far as I was concerned, men were gay. There were no, there's no such thing as women or non, non-identifying non people who were gay. I was like, what do you mean lesbian? I didn't realize that until I came to Chicago and then I came out a year after that. But my gender identity didn't happen until last year, rather recently. When I was in college and I was surrounded by other people in this big city, that's kind of a hub of diversity. And I was surrounded by other people with like similar, like different, they were like challenging my views on not just the world around me, but myself. And I, it it really took a lot of self-reflection for me to be like, I don't feel comfortable as a woman and I don't feel comfortable in this like identity that's been placed on me. identify outside of that. And it took a while. It took a while and it was a lot, but I'm coming into myself now. I feel like, so it's been a journey.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It'll, it'll continue to be a journey. You're not, you're not there yet. You know, there's, there's so much more. And, and honestly, in terms of like evolution, there's, there's not ever in terms of like personal development or just whatever. There's not ever going to be this point where you're like, okay, this is, this is it. You're going to continue to evolve <laughs> as you get older. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for, for where you're headed. And I'm wondering, cause you said, oh, you know, last year you were re- rethinking your gender identity, but what felt more, more closely aligned, more authentic to you, but it's been about 12 years or 10 to 12 years since you've really been thinking about sexuality. So that's, that's, that's some good time. You got some good time of where you, (laughs) this isn't like an overnight thing. You have been really for 10 to 12 years trying to figure out, okay, who am I? What kind of barriers have you faced? And what barriers do you currently face being queer, being trans?
1: So many, I feel like, I feel like the trans one has always been like the the shining one that's just like constantly causing some sort of issue in my life like being trans in america is not an easy thing right now it's very hard there's a lot of laws um and i can't and i told my mom i was like thank goodness we got out of texas when we did because texas just passed a bunch of laws like banning trans health care for youth and all this stuff in Chicago, I have access to my health care. I have access to gender affirming care. So uh, that's, not, that's not the concern. But when the law started to the past, I did have to go to my doctor's office and I did have to be like, listen, uh-huh. I'm a trans non-conforming person. Are you guys going to be OK? Because it's a grassroots organization. They're an LGBTQ uh-huh. health care provider. They provide health care for free. Um, for queer people, and I was like, "Are you guys gonna be okay if Illinois passes a law during these like, <laughs> during all of these Roe v. Wade being struck down and all of this stuff? Are we gonna be like, am I gonna have healthcare? I will for the time being. So that was a concern recently, but I feel like with trans, it's like everyday little things where like you forget how much gender binary is." in our society like bathrooms are a struggle I get misgendered every day like how much like my gender affects how I work because I have a job like and it's very much like how do you create a safe workspace for non-binary people when legally we aren't recognized by the state it's like it's been really complicated now with my sexuality I think it's Easier in a city like Chicago that has such a big lesbian community. Like, I've never been like, it's because I'm a lesbian, isn't it? No, it's, it's, <laughs> but yeah. I, I've had my moments where like people have tried to exploit my sexuality for artistic reasons. but I'm like, no, please don't do that. What I put in my artwork is what I want to put, and I'm not going to exploit my sexuality for any reason. But yeah, it's the transgender thing that has been such a struggle and I'm hoping America gets to a point where by federal law we're protected but I'll settle for state law at this point the
0: there's been so much discussion uh, regarding trans laws trans rights accessibility trans affirming faces there needs to be more conversation though yeah. About ways to protect the trans community. Like, like it's a lot right now, but it's not enough. It's not nearly enough. Um, And especially Max in the black community.
1: Oh yeah. Whew.
0: <laughs> behind.
1: So behind. Even in the, que- even just like when I came out as lesbian, it was like, my family had never heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're like, what do you mean? you're Mm -hmm. gay, even though we have gay family members, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: they came out during the AIDS crisis. So it was a lot easier to push that aside and not face it. And then my cousin died after Mm -hmm. being gay. And then I'm the child of the youngest daughter and the eldest son. Nobody expected me to be gay. They're like, you're going to go to college and you're going to make good choices. And you're going to like, <laughs> and you're going to like save the family. And then I came out as gay and they are like, oh, right. Right. Oh, okay. So I do think in the black community, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had.
0: I think it's really beautiful. Given those family dynamics, I love that you are queer and trans and you have this hedge of protection around you, that you're going to live, that you are still going to have a good life. you're going to have a better life because you get to have this freedom, this safety net that your parents have provided. It just feels really special.
1: It does. Yeah. Who
0: are your biggest supporters or your cheerleaders with all of this?
1: My mom is always going to be my number one cheerleader. The minute I came out with that woman, she was like, okay, what do you need from me? Which is So beautiful in the coming out tradition because so often it's like, oh my gosh, how does this how does this affect me? But it's very rare for you to be met by somebody who's like, Well, how can I support you? It's not about me. How can I support you? And my mom really, she just she rallied around me. Like the fact that she was willing to give up one of her publishing deals for a different one because that didn't support me being gay is huge. Cause a black woman publishing a book is hard enough, but Ooh. a black woman who is like, I'm going to support my queer child and publish this book is something completely different, but she got rewarded for that, got a better book deal. So I really do think that my mom, my biggest cheerleader, also the biggest example for how being out of the closet does not have to hold you back and it can yeah. get you forward. And my any family that's like stayed, my stepdad, my dad, like my core family that's here in Chicago. And then my friends, I have an amazing friend group. My friend group is all queer pretty much. And like, yeah, I I have like the very rainbow type friend group. Which is why I was trying it so funny in Netflix movies, because it's always like you got the one queer friend, and I'm like, no, we travel in packs. I got all of my, I got all of my queer friends around me. And when I was coming out, they're like, okay, what you need? You need pizza? You want me to come by? We just like eat pizza and watch Disney movies, and like we don't have to talk about it. And so like it's, it really was. While it was hard, there were a lot of beautiful moments that I did have from coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And while we're talking about friend groups, how has it been being in college, navigating college?
1: It's been difficult and great at the same time. Cause like I go to, I'm so lucky. I go to Columbia College Chicago, and it's a very liberal arts, very like, like non discrimination policy. Like we are here for our students, v- huge queer community when I went to Columbia, I was coming from Texas and I was coming from Texas where like teachers aren't even allowed to say that they're like in a queer relationship. So when I came to a, to a school where it was like pride flags are everywhere and teachers are talking about black lives matter and like the pride parade that they went to. And I have friends who are coming up to me like, Oh my gosh, you're non-binary. Like my pronouns are she, her, like, what are your pronouns like?" and like it's it's been a really great experience the difficult parts have just been like you're in your 20s I'm broke all the time like I'm like (laughs) I'm like oh everything's expensive okay (laughs) like the difficult parts have been difficult because they're supposed to be difficult because you're becoming an adult but the good parts have been great because you're finally learning who you are and there's people alongside you in the struggles that are like yeah i'm broke too okay we're going to be yes. together
0: <laughs> we're going to rub these two nickels together and see what we can come up with like exactly <laughs> and you're max that is such an adult way to look at it because it's supposed to be hard if you don't have a broke college student story then who are you even right like <laughs> what's happening <laughs> thank goodness for for a family where you can just be like can you cash out me some money like <laughs> I just did that the other day to my dad I was like hey <laughs> yeah yeah are there any like social media accounts or books or people that are like in public spaces that inspired your journey or really supported your transition
1: I mean I am on Instagram all the time probably too much I feel like social media has to be careful because it's not a safe space for anyone but if you are good about your communities and who you let fall, you can really cultivate like a really like amazing group of people to support you also I'm lucky because like when I came out like all these tv shows were coming out like with like queer protagonists like yeah we have a long way to go but like Heartstopper, mm-hmm. on Netflix I watched it recently I was like oh my gosh they have like two gay boys in Britain just being and like it's not a sad show it's just like two ki- like teenagers falling in love and having cute little romances mm-hmm. and dates and there's nobody like dying tragically or anything it's mm-hmm. just like I'm like okay we're starting to come around so Heartstopper, I always recommend that And then like there's stuff from my childhood, like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is like this video game type cult classic movie that just has like a few queer characters. But at the time that was everything to me. I was like, okay, she's bisexual. Great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Representation.
1: (laughs) Representation matters. It really does. (laughs) So yeah, I've been, haven't been reading as much as I want to. I did start reading "Detransition, Baby." I want to finish it, especially because detransitioning is something that like not a lot of people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I get it; like, we're barely able to transition. It's mm-hmm. gonna be hard to bring out people who want to come out of transitioning. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a beautiful book. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, and on the the subject of of detransitioning, that's another thing that isn't. There's a lot of shame around it. Yeah mm-hmm. from from the stories that that I've read and and seen, it, it's like once once people even a little bit accept you as one way, they want you to stay that way. Exactly. And there's so much shame around saying, "Well, no, I've grown, and and now this is who I am." Just more understanding as as you evolve, but. Yeah. that's so good I'm gonna have to look up that book too
1: um, yeah it's by um Tori Peters yeah I think um it's like across the room I'm like trying to read
0: <laughs> yeah no it's good yeah I'm gonna I'll put that in the, yeah. the show notes
1: yeah it's a it's a good book mm-hmm.
0: and then because I'm a therapist I'm also wondering did you ever need or even go to therapy or or have any kind of like coaching Uh, to help you out? I
1: did. I have needed and do need therapy all the time. But finding a queer therapist is like trying to find, it has been, it has been, a journey. So for me, mental health has been like the people surrounding me and like propping me up and then like me googling as many therapists as I can find. And I haven't been in therapy at all for like a year, which I'm a big advocate for therapy. If you can go to therapy, please go to therapy. Um, even if you don't think there's any mental health things, just go to therapy. It's really a great resource. But for me as a queer Black person and as a trans person, especially, finding it like it's one thing to find like a therapist when you're queer. But finding a therapist as a trans person right now has been really difficult because I have to find somebody who is not going to diagnose me uh-huh. with transness. Mm-hmm. I am not trying to get cured from being trans
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am trans because I was born trans and I do not need anybody to try and diagnose me. That's all right. It's been, and it got to a point where I was just like, if a therapist comes up at the right time, then a therapist comes up at the right time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As long as there's no immediate crisis. I'm not going to therapy right now just for my own safety, which sounds crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, I do think that mental health is lagging when it comes to queer people. And, yes. queer people, and when queer people need it the most. Yeah. Yes, exactly. it's very
0: much uh, lagging. I think that you're making a smart decision by just kind of waiting because just because someone is a therapist does not mean that they are affirming, does mm-hmm. not mean that they are safe. Does not mean that they are trauma-informed. Does not mean that they have the education on your specific issues or things that are bringing you to therapy. And a lot of harm is committed in therapy spaces. Yeah. So I, I say all that to say that since your aunt is a therapist, um, should you need or want me to help, like, just text me. Like, I am, I'm on it. Just let me know where <laughs>
1: no I get it I get it yeah especially because I did go to a therapist once and this is before like the whole online therapy controversy which I totally get um and I did go to a therapist but I decided that I was no longer gonna see that therapist because she had said to me I had said that I had come out and she had said that it's good for me to come out because most people don't come out and I took an issue with that (laughs) because I don't think anyone should be forced to come out. And I definitely am not one of those people that thinks so that you have to come out. Right. She had mentioned other things where I was just like, you know, like I do think that like there are like affirming therapists out there, but it is definitely a needle in a
0: haystack at this point in time. <laughs> it is. And, and I think it's important to to even have more therapists are queer and trans Mm -hmm. that's that's even more difficult to find but they're out there and um, maybe after this recording i'll send you some resources that that might help Mm -hmm. you out um and then you know we talked a little bit about black black families black communities those in religious spaces if there's one or two things that you wish that they understood black folks, black communities, or those that are in religious spaces, what would you, what what would you say? What would be your recommendation or your advice?
1: My first one would be that like opinions can be harmful. I do think that in specifically the religious community, it's been tricky to have conversations about queerness because people are like, well, in my opinion, like in my religion, I just, I I don't think that queerness should be celebrated. And I'm like, okay, that is your opinion. But that opinion can be harmful because people are getting killed and people are, now it's illegal in places because of these opinions. And I think that too often we get too hung up on the fact that we have freedom of speech and we don't think about how we have to be careful with the words that we use. And that's not limiting your rights. It's Mm -hmm. making sure that other people also have the same rights. And it's weird to me that I even have to like discuss it. I'm like, I feel like as America, we should be beyond like having to dissect the freedom of speech, but it really has become a weapon (laughs) against people. And it was never intended to be that. Hmm. And then the second thing, criticism isn't disrespect. I get like a lot, especially from Black, the Black community. This is something that like aunties and grandmothers Mm -hmm. have been doing for years is that like, I'm your elders, you respect your elders, anything that we do goes. And I'm like, okay, but you can't be pointing at queer people in public. And you can't be saying like racist or harmful things just because like, (laughs) it was different back then. It's just, and like criticizing that isn't disrespectful. It's not, it's it's trying to get us not to like move forward and forget it all, but to come to a much healthier place. So I feel like those two things, yeah.
0: Oh, that is that is really good. It's important for those of us who are in the queer community and for those who have been granted the ability or the right to be an ally—I don't know if that's a right—but mm-hmm. uh, but but our our LGBTQ plus allies, I think that it's important for us to criticize when we can, um, because you're you're exactly right. People are dying. People are being denied basic human rights every single day. People are being bullied. People are being denied economic advancement, educational advancements. Um, just things that come naturally to more privileged people. So we do have to speak out in big and in small ways. We got to check our own bias, our own internalized um, transphobia, homophobia, our own anti-blackness, like all of that. We all have to do our own work. Not that, I mean, I don't want to be taken up all the time talking, Max, but (laughs) I also want to say to people who are against, the LGBTQ plus community, uh, because of religious reasons and and whatnot, I guess I just want to say to you, if you're listening, you got to stop worshiping that white Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Max is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you got to stop worshiping that white Jesus, and and you got to really do some work to understand where homophobia came from as it relates to religion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What are its roots? That's important. Anyhow, this podcast isn't about me, so I'm gonna hush. <laughs> um sorry to like stay on my soapbox for so long. Go off. Go off. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> yes. Because you have amazing, loving, supportive parents, what would your recommendations be? for parents of trans and non-binary youth?
1: Ask questions. Ask questions, do not be scared of questions. Questions prevent you from making the mistake ahead of time. (laughs) Um, Ask the right questions. Don't be, don't like phrase something (laughs) into a question, but it's perfectly fine to ask your child what their pronouns are. Don't be scared of pronouns. As for some reason, (laughs) people are very scared of pronouns. We all have them it's okay. (laughs) Ask them. And when you're asking them about like, are there any, is there anybody that you find interested in at school? Keep it at that. You don't have to be like, are there any boys that you find interesting? Are there any girls? You don't have to, if they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to talk about it. I feel like that one, especially for me, because I am like openly asexual. I do not consider myself to be a very sexual person and I am ace. And I do think That if growing up somebody had respected my boundaries to be like, I don't want to talk about this right now, then it would have been a lot easier for me to accept that. So when you're asking those questions, if your child comes out with you like, I I don't really feel like talking about this right now, that's okay. They might want to come back later, but you have to make sure that they feel safe enough to come back later and that they feel like you are open to having the conversation. Does that all make sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. (laughs) I'm not a parent. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> At, like I'm just sitting here mind blown how did I get the honor <laughs> of interviewing my friends. Listen, everything that you said makes makes sense. I will I will add though, I can understand the difficulty in remembering genders, new gender identities. Mm-hmm. That, that, that conflict with what the parents know is their biological uh, gender assignment. But I think that what parents also need to know is that it is super disrespectful to continue to misgender. Mm-hmm. To, you do need to have accountability for that. You do need to be respectful. You do need to educate yourself so that you're not offending and traumatizing your children. How did I do on that part?
1: That was good. No, I didn't. I forgot about that because that was a, like a, a, something that me and my mom went through in the beginning when I first changed my name and when I first changed my pronouns. And we argued about it a lot, not because she had an issue with it, but it was hard for her to come to the idea that you're still my child, mm-hmm. but you are transitioning. And she didn't want to feel guilt for getting my pronouns wrong. And I was like, mom, it's not about guilt. It's about trying to make sure that it doesn't continue. We did get to a place where like, she was like, okay, okay. I'm going to work on this and we're going to work on this together. And we're going to make sure that not only do we respect you, but that everyone else who enters this house respects you.
0: Oh, that's powerful. Not just us, but, but you can't come into my house if you don't respect my child. That is a hell of a boundary. That's a hell of a boundary that every parent needs is that you don't take your children, no matter what age they are, adults, teens, kids, you don't take them around people who are gonna harm them in any way. And you don't allow people in your home that are gonna harm them. And intentionally misgendering is extremely harmful, extremely disrespectful. So thank you for that, Max. Yeah. (laughs) So we're almost at the end of our interview. What is giving you joy right now?
1: Right now, you know, it's going to sound silly, but I've been watching a lot of Disney movies lately. And Mm -hmm. I know, (laughs) I know I'm 20 years old, but as an artist and somebody who draws Mm -hmm. adult cartoons, I think we forget how much our inner child like affects how we operate in everyday life. I I see so many adults where I'm like, I think you need to sit down and watch a Disney movie because I feel like you're forgetting what it was like. So lately, it's been the cartoons, the Disney movies, just allowing myself to still feel some of those childlike emotions, because I think it's especially hard as queer people because so much of our childhood was spent like in confusion and like locked up. So I have really been finding a lot of peace in that and that it's never too late to allow yourself to feel young and to do silly and goofy things and to just live your best life like life is short watch a Disney movie sit down relax watch some cartoons on a Saturday morning with like a cup of tea like
0: yeah it is so relaxing um and I don't think that you know when it comes to like kids movies they're timeless I mean you yeah, you can watch them at any age and it's literally enjoyable no matter how old the the movie is, no matter what's going on. It's still enjoyable. Um, and I also think that in terms of like managing depression and anxiety, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and then maybe the therapist in me is like, but also um, it increases creativity. So the last question that I have for you is, What is a song or album that would be included on the soundtrack of your life?
1: Oh, that's hard. You know, I love music. I love music. Mm -hmm. I love to dance. You dance with me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like Janelle Monae's Electric Lady.
0: That is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. I grew up with that one. And now it's just like every time that I just need a good time, I turn that on. I like to do my hair to it.
0: <laughs> yes, that is one of my favorite um, songs. I love Janelle Monáe. She's, I mean, such a dope person. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Letting <laughs> me uh, interview you. Um, and yeah, this has been amazing. How's this been for you?
1: It's
0: been great. I had so much fun just chatting. and <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter, LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.